That was good, wasn't it? Thank you, Colin. Hey, guys. Good to see you. Welcome to the net for your first-timers. My name is Russell Verhey, and uh, tonight we're going to have a special opportunity just uh, to share a few minutes with my oldest Colorado friend, Vance Brown. Come on up, Vance. I moved from Georgia 10 years ago next month, and I had uh, two friends in Georgia that gave me license to, uh, yeah, to call Vance Brown. And I remember clearly Vance saying, the last thing I need is another relationship in my life. <laughs> but because of these two friends and his relationship, uh, that opened the door for Vance and I to, to connect. And when we connected, man, we connected. And so, um, so there's some history here. So we talk a lot about history here in the net, and uh, some of you guys are here, and you don't really have anybody, and it starts with a conversation, doesn't it? When I think about the word tonight, word of encouragement, and the story of the paralytic, as I was praying about our time tonight, I remember I was up in Denver, and I remember I was at a, like a gas station, and I, something had happened in a business context, and I think that was kind of mixed with some family drama back home, and... Um, and there was just there was an enormous amount of pain in my life. And the reality is I don't really remember exactly the details. But it was one of those mornings on a business week that I was crying out to the Lord. And I felt such a significant amount of pressure that morning. I felt like I was battling some lies. And it was one of those moments that I clearly remembered, probably six, seven years ago, I felt absolutely, totally alone. And I was crying out, literally with my hands on the steering wheel, please God, help. I need your direction. And it was just a moment. And as soon as I said amen and just about to move on to my day, Vance called me. Russell, you're on my heart. What's going on? I felt something just, I had to stop and call you. And uh, it was so real in that moment that his spirit was so aligned with the Lord that he was able to respond. And it was, it was one of those moments. Um, for me, he might have that every day. but <laughs> No, no. <laughs> so, you know, and that's just, that's a possibility as we walk in the spirit and walk in brotherhood. Uh, and it was a word of encouragement. It was a moment of encouragement for me. But really, just the moment of intercession on his part and encouragement. And um, it just, it's one of those things that our hearts are knit together. And how appropriate tonight that Cole and Willis would come and share a word of encouragement on the paralytic. Um, And one of the questions I wanted to ask Vance a little bit tonight is when guys are in that place like the paralytic, where you're trying to hold it all together, but just the way circumstances are, you just have nothing else to hold it, and you need help. Why is it that men, when they're in times of desperation, move to isolation? Because that's a tendency for all men, and I want advance to comment on a little bit about that. Well, so. well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for having me here tonight. It's an incredible honor, and um, yeah, just to speak a moment to that. You know, I, I, I'm very grateful for, like, if, like today, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you. Today was a hard day. Um, you know, use the word desperation. I'd be curious to know in a group like this how many would say 
you know, 9, 10, doing phenomenal, uh, you know, 5, 6, it's okay, or, man, the day just was desperation. And, you know, it was you know, way back, you know, uh, Henry David Thoreau said, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. And I think there, there are really two important words there. One is desperation, which, you know, we can identify with. I, I'm, I'm very encouraged, by the way. You know, what I find about brotherhood is it's really good that that enemy doesn't take us all out together at once. That, you know, if, if I was, like today, I don't know if I'd have had the energy to even have the, you know, the insight or the, you know, the... Um, you know, being being in touch with God enough to know which brother is hurting. But I had a brother call me today, so it's a pay it forward kind of thing. Uh, in, in terms of, in terms of that, but then that thing you ask, like, why do we go into isolation? Well, Thoreau said it back in the mid 1800s. The word quiet, and I know for me is you know, you know, I write a book called No Matter the Cost. I'm like, you got to be kidding. I can't do that. You know, I mean, I can't, you know, this thing of rah-rah, I think I've got it all together. I can really, you know, uh, live for God unconditionally. <clears throat> you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a, a joke in many ways, alone, absolutely alone. But, and, and, and the thing about isolation that I find is I want to pretend or I would like you to think that I have my act together. You know, there's a lot about my life. You know, I've done okay in business. You know, I'm a... I'm an attorney. I'm, you know, uh, I've started a ministry. I actually have a book, but I got to tell you, I, I live a lot of life in desperation. And and I, what I what I will say is though, that I learned through my own story, which I share some in the book, that if I live it in quiet desperation, I'm dead. And then there's no way I'm going to live out what I'm created for. I really believe though that we as men can live in desperation, but if it's not quiet. We can still you know, live out what God created us to do. And I think God mod- or Jesus modeled that throughout Scripture. That's great. What's the second part of that statement? Of? Live lives of quiet desperation. The song. You mean in terms of, you know, I really believe uh, Scripture teaches us, and I think there, I think there are some promises in Scripture because, You know, the the name of the book is like No Matter the Cost. I don't know if anybody wants to pick up a book named No Matter the Cost. What about No Matter the Blessings? You know, the blessings are going to come. You know, it's all going to work. Well, in my own life, I I really agree more with Thoreau that I I would like to think that that in spite of the cost, that that there's something really glorious out there for us. And and I was an old econ major. And so for me, there's a lot about cost-benefit analysis. You know, you all do that in business. And Man, if there's going to be a cost, and, and, and just so that you know, like, where that comes from is, you know, there's a, there's a John 3.16 that says, if you believe, you're, you know, you're forgiven and, and you have eternal life. And, boy, that one's, that one's my favorite. Uh, but related to, you know, there's, a, there's another one, though, that says, before you take this one on, before in Luke 14, it says, before you agree to this, you know, this isn't just this is like a free gift. You know, there's going to be cost. There just is. There's going to be cost. And, and, uh, and that sounds kind of scary. And, and, and what it basically says is you've got to be willing to give up everything for me. And I don't know your stories, but we all, if we had time, we could all share stories in our lives of costs that just felt like cruelty, honestly, cruelty. And, and for me, in order to follow, um, I don't want to just say no matter the cost, you know, unless I really believe that, I mean, who wants to follow just something that's crazy, that's just all about cost? 
But when I look at Scripture and, you know, really what the book talks about, I believe there are three promises in Scripture. That if, you know, that's, that's the hard part. That's the cost. The benefit side that I believe is, number one, that we will live out what we're created for. And that goes to your point. We will sing our song, which I know on our, all of us, for me, on, our, on my deathbed, I don't know what scars I'm going to have yet. I've got some that I could talk to you about. We don't have time tonight for all those. Some of them are laid out in the book, and all of you have them. But I'd like to think that those scars are not in vain, and I lived out what I'm created for. And I actually believe that, that the Scripture teaches that you, in exchange for this, that you will. That you will be able to, to know that you will live out what you're created for. Number two, that whatever you've done, whatever sins you've committed, whatever scars you have, that you will have an eternity. We will have an eternity of zero regrets. Now that, you know, if you know my story, you'll know that's, that's, that's a lot of cleansing that has to happen for me to have zero regrets given some of the things I've done. But what an incredible promise. And, and finally, and this is kind of fun too, you know, uh, fought the good fight, finished the race, remained faithful, now the prize awaits. But I really believe that there's, there's going to be, there's a cloud of witnesses including the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that is absolutely cheering you on and me on and you on, Mike, to actually live that work created for it. No one else was designed to do and, and to live that out. And, you know, so you consider those three, three things, live out what you're created for, no regrets through eternity, and this whole concept, you know, it, it, of, of being cheered on and, and at the end, whatever that end looks like. And it, it may be it's pretty bloody. I mean, there's no promise on this side. That's what's hard. There's no promise on this side. You know, Stephen was stoned right then. He's probably going, what the heck? I'm being stoned. I'm out here preaching, teaching the Word of God. I'm being stoned. This doesn't add up. This isn't, this isn't the prosperity I was looking for until you understand there's a larger story. And, uh, but in exchange for, if, if you could give me those three things, and I think most men in our DNA, if you could say that, if I could point to each one of you and I said, Greg, if, if, you, if you knew you could live out what you're created for, if you knew that it would be an eternity of no regrets in terms of the life you lived, and that you knew that you had a cloud of witnesses you can't even see, including Jesus Christ, just cheering you on, just wait, just can't wait to bring you on the side of the finish line and give you a hug and saying, well done. What, would you ch- what cost would you bear for that? Would you give everything? And that's men. That's what I love about men, about every man I've ever, ever, ever met or talked to, in spite of where they are, in, in, in a day of desperation. You give them a vision that, again, that's not my vision, a vision that, that Scripture gives us, and every man I know will go, if that were only true. That's good. So when I listen to that, I hear um, benefit. I get excited. You inspire me. But I hear vertical. So where is the horizontal? Why do we need brotherhood? Well, I, don't, I just, uh, you know, the, the cause, any cause, what you're living at, what you're created for is bigger than you. It's bigger than me. Any noble cause, by definition, is going to be bigger than what we can accomplish in our own giftedness. Now, that being said, you're essential to that. You know, I, this thing of, I mean, Rob Bell, somebody said, I cannot be me. We cannot be we without you being you. You know, we're out there trying to rally the clans because, you know, we believe you are essential to this cause of something epic that is going on. And, you know, let's look at, let's look at the facts. I mean, uh, David wouldn't have a story today without Jonathan, right? Uh, Moses wouldn't have a story today without Aaron. Uh, Paul never traveled without a companion, ever. Jesus modeled brotherhood by surrounding himself with 12 other men. I mean, 
is, is, there's just something lining up here. It just seems to be the way it's, not, no, it, it is the way it's laid out. And so every epic story, which we are all called into, and again, Satan wants to take us out in our de- days of desperation that I don't have what it takes. There's, there's no real good in me. You know, look, look at me. Look at this and this and this and this, and I can go through my day. And just today, I just felt like I've just been beat up, like I'm not noth- I've got nothing really to offer. And, and, and yet, yet, in the, even though the days of desperation, you know, uh, I know that I, I, I don't think I'd be here tonight unless I have just, just a rule for myself. I've got to pick up the phone, or fortunately, you know, somebody called, or a couple of brothers, and a couple of them are here tonight to say, I believe in you. You know, we need you. Don't, you know, that thing of not quitting. But there's just something about it. Alone, we are dead. Uh, Together, I believe we prevail. And that is clearly uh, all the epic stories in the Bible. They were all done in that way. That's good. Thank you. Um, So just to take, just to move a little direction, uh, just in context of our relationship, just as you guys look at Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how we may what? What's that? Yeah, spur one another on and let us not forsake the gathering of one another. Why? Because the day is approaching. And so it's a call to brotherhood for a reason. It is the day is approaching. And so we see that. What uh, my background was coming from, you know, Bible Belt, Georgia Roots, um, you know, heavy, heavy discipleship emphasis. You know, you get together in a group and you kind of go through study, and, and that was great. Um, the idea of meeting in, in the context of relationship to share uh, our story, to share in brotherhood. If you, if you don't pick up anything tonight, I hope you pick up from Vance. This man celebrates uh, brotherhood. Do you guys sense that tonight, just as he talks, that he celebrates the men in his life? And so uh, as, we, as we got to know one another, we, uh, uh, our band of brothers a few years back, we, we would literally meet, not so much for a Bible study per se, the word was present and talked about, but we literally would meet for the opportunity to share one another's stories. And, and that could go well into the night. Um, and it was just a time where we just, it was a communion, literally with uh, bread and wine, but it was a communion of relationship and brotherhood. And it was a real time to celebrate one another. And that was one of the contexts of our friendship. And, and just to speak a moment to that, you know, you talk about that epic story, you know, and, and the importance of our story and sharing our story and that being truly known. First of all, I don't, you know, we were in our DNA. I think we were made to be known. We're made to, be lo- made to be loved unconditionally, right? That's, that's what we long for. And unless we're known, there's no way, you know, Satan's going to say, well, if they only knew that about you, then they really couldn't love you. But in this epic story, and I, I think the core, one of the core messages of the book, it says the saints, and it says in the plural. And you talk about what, why we need to band together in terms of this epic, epic thing. The saints overcame and defeated the accuser, Okay, the, the, the liar of lies, the, 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 the father of lies, by three things. The blood of the lamb, right? That's why our, none of our stories have to be, invent, I mean, be regrets. By their testimony. That's interesting. You know, I don't know how much we talk about that that's one of the three essential elements to overcoming the accuser, their testimony, their stories, and that they were not afraid to die. They didn't love their own lives even under death so much that, you know, that, that they weren't willing to lay down their life for Christ and for the... And for the purpose and sometimes I wonder like what would it be like if you know like 
Wow, isn't that interesting? It says also says in Romans that 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 Satan's gonna that the God of peace is gonna crush Satan under your feet. And so sometimes I always wonder, like, well, what 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 are we men waiting for in terms of epic cause, in terms of uniting together and the saints that we truly do overcome and defeat the enemy? I mean, wouldn't that be a great day? I'm just saying, in the day of desperation, when I hear Thy kingdom come, I'm like, I'm ready. <laughs> You know, the kingdom come could be today. But, but, but prophetically in Romans, the saints are going to overcome, plural, and defeat the accuser by those three things, Jesus, by our stories together so that we can encourage each other and build each other up and so that I don't feel so crazy that I don't quit, that I know, oh, you know, maybe, Larry, maybe you had a day of quiet desperation or Joe. And, and, and again, I don't think there's any shame in desperation. It's just, it's just in there, no matter the cost. The, the, the key is, though, we've got to cut out that quiet and we've just got to make sure that there's no shame in sharing our stories just as ugly as they are and, and to be loved through that by the strength and the power of the blood of the Lamb. And, and I think as we do that and as we grow in that, we do grow into this sense of, you know, do your worst because, you know, even unto death I would die for this cause. Let me put a biblical context to what Vance is talking about out of James uh, 5. 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray uh, for each other so that you may be what? Healed. That's right. But let's not miss the second part of this as well. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It's the bringing together of the two, two ideas where there is power in the testimony, there's power in confession, there's healing, but the real power is released when there's the connection of prayer. So it's a holistic view of the one anothering. So the question, Vance, I just want to ask is why do men have barriers in telling their stories and maybe even telling their secrets? I mean, for me, it's just shame. I mean, I I really want to be more, I, I want to present myself as more of a strong, powerful man kind of thing. And, and I feel like, I mean, it's the lie, but I feel like if I really shared with you, like, the, you know, who was it? I mean, is it Colin? 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 I mean, he said it. I mean, why does the scripture always say, do not be afraid, do not be afraid? The truth of it is, when we, take, when we you know, take off the mask, we really are afraid. And if we can only just share that and then encourage each other and build each other up, it's amazing how I'm less afraid in, in brotherhood, right? And so, and, and, and when I'm sharing my story honestly and openly, and that, that, that someone else can say, Vance, that's just a freaking lie. It is a lie from the pit of hell. It is not who you are. It is not who you're created for. And I'm not going to buy it. And I had that happen recently. Somebody just, just looked at me in the face. And it, it, you know, in our own minds, I think it's almost impossible to go against the enemy because we just constantly get that you're not this, you don't have what it takes, blah, 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 blah. But when someone else, you know, strong that day goes, Russell, man, you are an amazing, mighty warrior. And, and let me, you know, this is what I see in you, and this is what I see in you. You know, that's, that's powerful. And, and, it is, and it, I think it's essential to, to all this. So, again, the bottom line is shame. I want to be perceived that, I, that, that I'm stronger and I can do it on my own when the truth of it is, is not only can I not, but I was not even designed to do that because God wants us to do this together because what else would happen if we could? Pride would set in. And, and you know, if we really could pull it off on our own, it'd be a great war of pride, and God's not going to allow that one. I love that. There's something that Vance is just kind of moving into in the context of brotherhood. It is about sharing our stories. There are secrets. There's healing. 
But there's also um, something in the blessing of relationships. When you see a lie in a guy's life and speak truth over him, and, and encourage him and exhort him. You're, you're literally passing on a blessing. And part of the context of our culture, it's the reality where most guys live. We have grown up, many of us, in broken homes. We don't have good context for fathers, let alone spiritual fathers. So all of a sudden you have brothers that are coming in and speaking a blessing over you. And, and that is one of, the, one of the facets of what this Band of Brothers piece is, which we're really wanting to bring into, um, you know, the net here. And so, so with that, I just would like to just take a turn. And um, one of the expressions of that over the years, which has really been a fun thing for me, uh, is, is the passing on of these rings. Now, this is the symbol of it, but in essence, what we're doing through these rings is speaking a blessing over that. And so can you give us a little history on the rings? Again, every, everybody, including Jesus Christ, needed the blessing of the Father, right? And I think most of us grew up without that kind of blessing, you know, where God said, this is my son, you know, listen to him. You know, he, he's got what it takes kind of thing. Uh, but some of the history of that, I mean, from a biblical perspective, think of the story of Jonathan and David. And, you know, you know these guys came from two, two opposite ends of the track. You had David that was a shepherd boy. Yeah, he'd done some cool things, but, you know, he still didn't believe in himself. You know, who am I to marry the king's daughter kind of thing? He always was just like, who am I? I've got nothing. Even though he would go kill bears and lions and, every, you know, Goliath, all those things. But still, with all that, he still thought, who am I? Well, so he came from the you know, the, the, the shepherd boy kind of thing. And then he met uh, truly a prince, you know, Jonathan, the king's son, and they had this special bond of relationship between them, and they says they, you know, had this immediate love, uh, f- you know, for each other. But what I found interesting in it, in, in terms of kind of the hierarchy of where they were, you know, you had that prince, a true prince, and the king's son, and it says clearly that what he did is he bestowed gifts. He gave him his robe, and his tunic, and his sword, bow, and belt. And he, and he just bestowed it. And I didn't then say, well, then David turned around and gave him a shepherd's staff or anything like that. No. It was just an absolute bestowing to say. And, and, and notice the kind of gifts he gave, you know, a tunic and his sword. And he just he handed him a sword. And, and basically what I think he was saying, he was giving him kingly gifts. He had a vision and lens for what David was to become, I believe. And it's very clear. And he spent his life fighting for it. And think of the little conflict of interest there. I mean, he was the rightful heir to the throne, right? I mean, so Jonathan really had the rightful heir. And later he was called, you know, there's some rough language spoken by his dad about, you know, how dare you, you know, he used rougher language than that, you know, that, that you would support this other person to be in the throne. But imagine what it was like to have somebody who was this, a prince, this, this, you know, rightful heir that said, no, I really don't think that's my position. I'm going to fight for you, Mike, to be that because I believe that's what God wants you to be. And then to fight for that the rest of his life is truly overwhelming. And so this is a symbol of that where we, we challenge. I believe that if we pray for it, God will give us a, I call it a Jonathan-like lens for our brothers, a, a special lens where I can say, Russell, this is what I see in you. 
And really, it's speaking, I believe, right from the heart of God, so that, so that you're hearing this directly from God. And, you know, in, in, in Scripture all the time, we're, we're told, you know, to have monuments. And then, you know, it's basically saying a monument. Don't you ever forget, I'm putting this ring like the father gave, put a ring on the prodigal's, you know, son, you know, on the, on the son, the prodigal son, to say, just don't, you know, you're still, you are my son. And that's who you always will be. But then have those special words to say, I believe you're going to be a king one day. And, and don't you ever forget it. And this is going to be a monument to that. And I just know for most of us, like, you know, me today, I mean, we just need to be constantly reminded of our glorious purpose in spite of the cost. Because if we truly had a glimpse of that, if we truly knew, I truly believe we would all say without a shadow of a doubt, I'd give up everything. But unless you have somebody speak that into you, and, and, you know, just, I just think it just nails and defeats the accuser in terms of what he's, how he's coming against us. So building those kind of relationships with each other that we can, and, and take some little time, you know, to, to develop a, a Jonathan-like lens for a brother, uh, it, it just becomes crucial. So as we close, talk to the guys here a little bit. Okay, so I, I, I get it. I want to be there in 10 years or five or two, but where do I get started? I don't have a guy like that. How do I even, where do I begin? Yeah, we hear this a lot of like, gosh, you guys talk about a band of brothers and how do you become that? And I just don't have that kind of personality. I'll tell you this. If, if you decide I'm going to be a brother like that, I'm going to be a Jonathan. I don't know if, any, if, if anybody ever went to Jonathan and said, hey, you're just supposed to come along this, side, this guy named David who wants your job. You know, I mean, I, I doubt it. Ha- but, you know, he became that. And if you really look how the story unfolds at the very end of, of you know, I don't know if David's looking at it, but Jonathan has just decided, I'm going to be this kind of friend. You be that kind of friend, and you, you will receive that. I mean, who, who of us does not want that kind of friend that will speak words of life and encourage each other and build each other up? And I find it interesting the way it comes full circle because at the very end of Jonathan's life, of course, how did he die? He was a warrior, died on the battlefield. But I love, I love this part of the story. It's, it's, uh, it's where David, when he became king and Jonathan had died and David was king, he, he literally, he's king, he forced everybody in his kingdom to learn the, the, the burial song of, of Jonathan, which basically said, this man was a mighty warrior. You know, just, you just see this back and forth of how they fought for each other's stories. Were down, now David was going... Over my dead body, you know how I'm going to use my, gift, my, my strength as king? Is you're going to have to learn about my brother's song. And what, what would it be like? What would it be like if we developed that kind of relationships within the church? I think it would be epic, and I think the saints truly would overcome. Did you guys hear that loud and clear? If you want that kind of brotherhood, you've got to be that kind of brother. Did you guys get that message? So that's a pretty strong word, Vance. And, so, and that's really what we're called to right here. Um, to be that kind of brother. So is this good tonight? Is this encouraging to you guys? So, you know, and this is really what we're, this is what has to happen. And for some of you new folks that are just coming in first couple of nights, the net is, this is not the, the end. The net is a connecting point. We've got retreats. We've got guys morning outs with pancakes. Uh, You know, all of these things are purposeful and by design, this is a conversation piece here tonight to suddenly you have a connection with this guy and says, hey, I could track with you. Let's have coffee. Next thing you know, you're moving into what Vance and I are, have just been describing. But it takes time and it takes a commitment for you to basically become that kind of brother. So I think that's a good word. Uh, and so these next uh, modules, if you will, the breakout sessions by design, 
get you continually moving in that direction. So, um, uh, so we'll, we'll break that. Uh, Gar- uh, Greg will give us some instructions, and um, it'll be good. So let me pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for uh, Vance and our friendship. And I just pray, Lord, that it may inspire something in these guys to just have a longing. But, Lord, that longing be fulfilled in the gift of friendship and the gift of brotherhood in the days to come. And so we thank you for just the word of... Uh, from Colin, and the, and let us be that kind of brother when we see someone in need that we simply would be faithful to respond to bring our brother to the, the feet of Jesus. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, no matter the cost, uh, what this book is, it has Vance's name on it. It is his story, but it's weaved into many guys' stories. And so, as you pick that up. You can read through that. Um, Vance has uh, generously donated some of these books for us tonight. There may not be enough for everybody. Uh, they'll be set up in the bookstore in the next few weeks if you guys want them. Of course, you can buy them online if you'd like. Um, the overall uh, flow of the book is it is, about, um, it is about you. It really is. And then, but it's also about us as brothers, and then ultimately it is about him. And so it takes on the outline of the Lord's Prayer, so you'll see that weaved into it along just with the stories of the men uh, as part of the Band of Brothers. Is that a good summary of the book? Amen. Good. So, Greg, come on up. Thank you, guys.